Second down and 12, just underway here in the second quarter. Shotgun. Wilson delivers. Caught. Touchdown. Back to throw on third down and 10. Lawrence with time, all kinds of time. Great protection. Crimson slings the ball, and he's got Marvin Jones. Who makes a dramatic catch over a bend defender's back. Ostwelli lines up as a right wing next to McGlinchey. They're going to boot the quarterback left. Here he goes, deep downfield. Trent Sherfield got it. Treyaria. It's the footballiest time of the year. With quarterbacks throwing and tailgaters ready for some brats and beer. It's the footballiest time of the year. Hi and hello sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three where we are one day closer to the start of football season. College football this weekend. Pro football a couple weeks away. Ooh la and la. I can't wait. Eddie Spaghetti's alongside here. As always, we have coming up from around the NFL. Dan Hanzoos ready to chop it up with us. He's very excited about his Jets and the AFC in general. That's upcoming. Eddie Spaghetti's Tuesday dinger pick. Almost always a winner for you. Stay tuned for that. Very quickly, Eddie Spaghetti, should we just update anybody who might be a new listener to let them know where our heads are at as we head towards pro football season? I think we should update everyone because we. Let's I, do. I assume we listen okay, every week good. and we give out the best content, so let's do it. All right, let's do it then. Okay, just a few. Um, first of all, and of course, you must bet these at fanduel.com slash minus three. The word minus the number three is how you do it, and we also appreciate you following along. All the fun on social media, the Extra Points Network with Cousin Sal. Good episode to start the week off with Kirk Herbstreit talking all things college football. Turns out, me and Herbstreit are in lockstep on many items, huh, Spaghetti? And uh, he also gave out the pick that I feel pretty good about it, that I did, I've been saying I like UNC this year, I like Sam Howell, and he said Sam Howell to win Heisman, he, he said he's going to be a household name, he's going to be a guy who's going to go very, very early on in the next NFL draft, so I feel pretty vindicated about that, and he did talk a little bit about Georgia Clemson, I did pick Georgia in that game, getting a three and a half points, so I like that uh, Kirk is on my side, I feel pretty good about my college football knowledge. Monster, yeah, monster game for Clemson, as it turns out. When you think that through, that was the conversation was, I thought, man, Georgia is going to be out of contention for the Final Four. Not so. If Clemson loses, when they have to go play in the mediocre ACC, at, at they would have to run the table, and it still would be dicey if Georgia were to win the SEC over Alabama. We know SEC gets uh, gets favorited a little bit over the rest of the conferences in in uh, America. So you could see Bam and Georgia taking two of those spots. It seems like the SEC pretty standardly gets two of those spots. But anyway, here we go with pro football. Some bets out there for you. One I issued on extra points yesterday, and I'll pass it along now. Carolina Panthers, you can bet on FanDuel. Not just making the playoffs, but making it as a wild card. I like the Carolina Panthers, where they sit here, plus 430 to get into the postseason. The NFC, kind of soft compared to the AFC, so there's an opportunity for Carolina to squeak in there. Chase Young is going to lead the league in sacks there. You saw his rookie season really came on in the second half of the season. Montez Sweat on the other side. You know the story about uh, Maroon 4. 
12 to 1 the odds on Chase Young leading the league in his sophomore season. I'm going with the Chargers to win the West. Bet that one. Juicy odds there. I still think it's at plus 440 last I looked there. I think they are going to get past better defense than the Chiefs and not that big a drop off from Mahomes to Herbert. Bet the Chargers to win the AFC West this year. Steelers. I don't know where they're going to finish. I suspect it's going to be second ahead of the Ravens, behind the Browns. What I do like for them specifically is the eight and a half number. Go over that. Tomlin, Roethlisberger are going to have a losing season. They're going to go eight and nine or worse. No way. Bet them to go over that at uh, plus 110. I'm going Bills under their win total. I do not like the Cole Beasley stuff. I think that is going to be a bit of a plague here and there over the course of the next few months. Week one teaser, Eddie Spaghetti and I are joining forces on this one. His Giants at home, already a dog. We're going to tease it up to plus seven and a half. And then the Steelers at the aforementioned Bills take them up to plus 13. Two-way teaser, a winner for you. And an update on our no playoffs for you list. The season is already over, at least as far as playing in January goes. For the Seahawks, the Raiders, the Texans, the Lions, the Jets, and the Vikings. Bad news. No playoffs for you. Here's good news, and uh, I'm not even talking about Dan Hansus. We'll get to him in just a second. Eddie Spaghetti, it's Tuesday. It's time for the home run whisperer to take over here. You must check out FanDuel's promo every Tuesday, $5 Dinger Tuesdays. You place a $25 wager on any player to hit a home run today and get a $5 bonus in site credit for every home run hit in the game. FanDuel Sportsbook, the best in the business, fast payouts, same game parlays, lots of fun to be had there. Um, and Eddie Spaghetti, it's even more fun when you're taking home some loot on a random Tuesday because the right guy hit a home run. Lay it on us. Who's going yard today? And make sure before you get to it, you're betting it at FanDuel.com slash minus three. Take it away, Spaghetti. Yep. So I wanted to give out a, a non-Yankees game home run pick today. And I was going over the slate and there's a lot of good games I liked uh, due to the pitching matchups for certain teams here. But then as I'm scrolling through it, then I see who is pitching for the Yankees and they are playing a very, very good Braves team who by the way, we're coming into last night's game. Both teams, nine straight wins. Yankees win, so ten straight for them. But uh, Charlie Morton pitching for the, the Braves tonight and Andrew Heaney pitching for the Yankees. And this is a guy that I've talked about in the pod before, and they need like, he's going to be demoted to a long relief type role when they make the playoffs because if they get back Severino potentially, Corey Kluber hopefully very, very soon, Domingo Herman also pretty soon. Uh, Heaney gives up the long ball. There's just no way around it, and the Braves are a good home run hitting team, so going through a lineup to see who hits lefties pretty well. And I, I got to tell you, Ozzy Albies, first left-handed hitters, I mean, he's he has eight home runs, and he's betting 314 versus lefties. He's the guy I like um, to have a home run tonight versus Andrew Heaney. He's 22 on the season. Um, I, you know... Look, I think the Yankees can win this game. I think their offense keeps them in it. But Andrew Heaney's got a real bad home run problem. And the the guy, like I said, Ozzy Albies to go yard tonight off Andrew Heaney. But hopefully the Yankees still hold on to win this game. Oh, man, coming dangerously close to joining forces with Sal and Hench and people who bet against their own team, Eddie Spaghetti. I don't know if I like it philosophically. I will like cashing in, though, on uh, on your pretty solid Tuesday picks there. Make sure you do it. Like I say, fanduel.com. Slash minus three. 
All right, looking forward to this. You know him from the Around the NFL podcast, his power rankings during the season, his Hard Knocks reviews, and now for his cameos on Hard Knocks. Also, the throwback pod, he does it all, and he's got a glorious mane of hair that even I'm a little jealous of. It's Dan Hanzoos, everybody. What's the poop, fella? Uh, the poop is good, and uh, it's great to be on the show with Shaq and Eddie Spaghetti, two of my favorite colleagues in NFL media history. Yes, we're uh, we're pleased to learn that around the NFL now on uh, NFL Network uh, for two hours every week. Be on the lookout for uh, for time and all that kind of stuff going on. Um, much to discuss with you, Hanzu. So yeah, we 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 obviously have spent the last six seven months. Talking about all the narratives that have been established, it seems to me that there's usually one big one. Can Tom Brady win away from Belichick? Can Lamar (laughs) Jackson in that big eight offense thrive? Can Chip Kelly work in the NFL? These are quite now I feel like we have four, maybe a half dozen big ones. Let's get into some of them. And I'm sad to say I don't have to tell you anything you don't already know, but I feel like. This August has not been kind to your beloved New York Jets, despite what appears to be some cause for optimism at the most important position, uh, QB. But all the injuries. How say you? Where's your head as we draw ever closer to kickoff of uh, NFL 2021? Yeah, I mean, it's still a time of optimism. There's no doubt about that. And with the Robert Sala hiring, which everyone felt good about at the time and still feel great about it, Joe Douglas seems to be building the roster into a a positive place. And yeah, like without getting too into it, and I I just, I'm so down on the preseason. Everybody's down on the preseason, but it's like when your job is to watch these preseason games and try to formulate takes when no one's playing, it's like, how do, what do I make of Zach Wilson lighting up Green Bay's fourth string defense? Uh, but it's better than him throwing three interceptions and looking lost against their defense. So the fact that he has looked really good uh, this summer after some bumps in the road early in training camp is really promising for a team that obviously hasn't had a quarterback uh, of note in about 50 years. Uh, but, yeah, at the same time, when when I, I log on, I see on ESPN.com yesterday, uh, the headline injury plague jets lose another starting uh, starter on their defense. Like why, why do we need, why as a jets fan, why can't the jets and their fans have nice things? I mean, that Carl Lawson injury blowing his Achilles and any jet fan knows when you think blown Achilles, you think Vinny week one, 99 with Parcells as the head coach with Bill Belichick as the DC with a loaded roster and an AFC that was there for the taking after John Elway retires. When he pops that Achilles, Vinny, and ruins that season, I mean, that's the, that was one of the lowest fan points of my life. So to see Lawson go down like that after an entire spring and summer of just constant praise that he would be the guy that would finally be a pass rusher of note after uh, decades now of the Jets not having a pure pass rusher, it sucks. Uh, but overall, the picture, I think, is still bright because it does feel like the franchise has some adults running uh, the operation. And Zach Wilson, a boy shall lead them. I kind of starting to get a good vibe about him. You know, you, you, I know you like calling him the boy. And I do want to talk about Zach Wilson, this, the, this human being. First of all, I disapprove <laughs> of his uniform number two. Uh. Doesn't that get, I mean, who wears number two? What, what guy on purpose? You can go from one up to 19, you understand. There's a, you, you can choose all the numbers there, and you choose number two? 
a weird choice, especially with what you've anointed him, the boy. He could have, if he would have worn number one, he could have been Boy Wonder. And, and, and that would have mm. been, you know, the marketing opportunities alone made it worthwhile. <laughs> I, I already question his decision making. How say you? All right. I hear what you're saying. And I believe Johnny Manziel was two. Um, so that that is a number that doesn't have a great history. But also, and Eddie Spaghetti knows this, Derek Jeter was also number two. So that has uh, some positive connotations hmm. in New York sports history. Um, he was the second overall pick. So when they did ask him about it, he said, yeah, I was the second pick, so I'll just be number two. I One thing I do really like about him um, is how he's handled the media so far. He seems just so confident and, and carries himself in a way that he doesn't seem overwhelmed. And we know that's so important uh, when you're a quarterback in the NFL, especially in New York. So he said, I'm two. I don't feel like I need to tell you that I'm number one. Uh, how about that check? How about the idea that a guy saying, oh, let me be number one. So I'm number one. It tells you maybe, you know, what do they say? Doth I preach too much. Tua, Tua should have been two. He, why mm. he is number one makes no sense to me. It's like RG3 wearing three for the bulk of his career. Why he I, what, not wearing three for the bulk of his career, a, another missed opportunity. I always say, where were you during the draft? Get back to wherever it was four months or so ago when you knew Trevor Lawrence was going one. And like I say, I, if there were two guys, if it was the... Um, you know, Peyton or Ryan Leaf thing or whenever, or uh, Mariota or, uh, versus Jameis. I would prefer to, as somebody who has self-esteem issues, I'd rather <laughs> be Same. in the runner-up spot there. Because if you give me the number one pick and I mess it up, then I feel bad. If if I'm in the, like, I, listen, that, what was I supposed to do? The other team took took the guy and then this guy felled us. I feel like this is kind of the sweet spot if you're a Jets fan to not. Zach Wilson doesn't have Brett, except for Justin Fields. How does that factor into the well, equation? Yeah. Were you a Fields guy more than a Wilson guy and, and all of it? I was, you know, the way it shook out, the, the Trevor Lawrence thing hurt because to go 2-14 and 14, the way the Jets did in such a humiliating way, it was just such a bad season on so many levels. And I think if you go through the, the history of – uh, the NFL in the last 30 years. I mean, that's almost always going to get you the first round pick, or at least I would say three quarters of the time. So not to get that and to get it, a team that the Jaguars won week one and then lost out and clearly went in the tank in the last five or six weeks. Like that was frustrating. And when you see Trevor Lawrence, and I know it hasn't been all sunshine in Jacksonville and uh, they just lost Travis Etienne for the year. It sounds like with that uh, Liz Frank tear, um, and that's a bad situation. This and they Liz also Frank chick. She keeps that. She's I don't a know disaster what axe to grind. She has with football guys, but it's obvious that this she's a disaster. But like Lock her up, even though Urban Meyer is being a goofball with this uh, Gardner Minshew stuff and, and splitting reps and all this stuff. It's like Lawrence passes the sniff test. He looks like a star. So, of course, any Jet fan. Oh, you wish things worked out differently. However, Wilson is a guy that they were in love with from the jump. It, the thing I liked about it, uh, there's just a sense of purpose and an organization to this Joe Douglas-led reg regime, and you never heard them waffling uh, on on him. And and what you've seen, the positives you've seen thus far in training camp and in these preseason games is this lightning quick delivery. Um, he's not overwhelmed mentally. His plays, we've heard about his ability to make plays 
off platform, the Mormon Mahomes comparisons, all that stuff like Justin Fields. OK, I mean, there has been there were some positives and some negatives coming out of college for him about his game. Uh, Trey Lance would be the guy that I'm actually the most spooked about. I mean, he went right after Zach Wilson and he seems to be uh, the toolsiest or the, the the guy that can be truly like Mahomes-esque if things really clicked and then you're 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 banging your head. But at the same time, he barely played in college. So that would have been a, a gargantuan risk as well. So I'm happy where the Jets are. But as a Jets fan, you're you're just it's kind of in your DNA to just assume they got it wrong. And maybe to like your point, if they would have been the number one overall pick and they take Trevor Lawrence, he, it becomes like a, a bust no one saw coming. And so they end up at the number two guy who becomes the Hall of Famer. I don't know. I'm all in my head. Yeah, see, that's exactly that's that's what the Jets do to you. And I do want to talk about uh, your famous pain rankings. It's one of my favorite subjects is <laughs> the fan base that deserves it the most. We'll get to that in a second, but just a little bit more on this Zach Wilson character. He everybody's talking about his appearance and he's ha- well, he's nice looking, but he's not ruggedly handsome. He's more pretty. And that concerns me if I'm a Jets <laughs> fan, because we don't we, we have plenty of ruggedly handsome guys. I mean, it, what what's clear is, uh, you know, I'm not going to impugn. Well, OK, I'll say his name. Peyton Manning isn't the most handsome guy in the world, but the most of the successful quarterbacks in history. Nameth isn't, you know, he isn't maybe classically handsome, but, you know, he's a cock. He's Pennsylvania handsome. Check. That's it. Yeah, that's, you're, you're goddamn right. He is. He's from Beaver County, dude. Joe, you, you didn't, you know, Broadway Joe. He got the, uh, he got the Yingzer accent, but then he went down, uh, played for uh, Bear Bryant. Then went up to New York. D- dudes don't even understand what he's talking about. But look at that shot. Um, Namath, uh, you know, nice. Roger Staubach had a look about him. Cleft chin can, uh, um, and and the initials TB. Um, link up Tom Brady with Terry Bradshaw. Point is that rugged good looks, Elway, you know, these guys. Is Zach Wilson, does he have the right look to be a championship quarterback in your book? Well, we're in it for the long run here, right? We're, we're hoping okay. he's a franchise 15, 17, who knows the way things are now, 20-year uh, starter for the Jets. And I'll draw a comparison to another pretty boy, uh, Brad Pitt. Now, Brad Pitt, always a hunk. I mean, you go, a river runs through it, Maron. I mean, by the early 90s, he was, I mean, Thelma and Louise, don't get me started. But, like, if you go back to, like, Cool World or Johnny Suede, some of those really early Pitt pictures, you know, he's more pretty than handsome. But then, fast forward 15 years later, and he's in Fight Club, and it's just like, everyone, man and woman's like, Jesus Christ, look at this fucking guy. So it's like, that's what I'm hoping, that he's going to be boyishly handsome, and then by the time he's at his early 30s prime, like he's just off the charts, rugged on top of the, the boyish mm. handsomeness. So I think there's a, he's almost a project. Physically. I like where your head's at on this. Yeah, Thelman and Louise, nice looking, you know. Right. I think, but I don't remember exactly one or both of them bedded down with him or he bedded them down. I think um, he, yes, he, he got he with. He was a boy. Uh, he was a mere boy at yeah. that point. Gina Davis was the conquest in that film interesting from a in football terms he'll win over the you know the casual fans he'll bring in some support with his with his boyish charming uh, good looks but yes once uh, once the rubber hits a lot of promise yeah january grizzled (laughs) maybe he's got that in them how about a beard 
Age 30 beard. Uh, uh, what's the word, uh, Shaq? Uh, punum? Yeah, punum, yeah. I'm, right. I mean, he's got a hell of a punum on him. It just needs some time still to take that next step. I think they're just like him. There's so much potential. Uh, big picture. I well, I mean, listen, you're a hearsuit fella as well, but you know, I he he's got your dimples too, and maybe that's why you're keen on him. I think so. Um, all right, let's let's get into it then. Lay it on me. How do you see this AFC East? And as a reminder, Hanzus and anyone new to the show, I'm a broken record about it. But even here, this close to the start of the season, I'm starting to come up with hard and fast. Um, uh, assumptions about the way this season's going to roll here, but I still can get seduced by almost any team right now as a playoff yeah. possibility. There, except the for Texans Cincinnati, and the right no, no, even even Cincinnati. Okay, I, I mean, okay. I, I you you could talk me into Cincinnati if you if if you really set your mind to it. But give me the AFC East here now. Cam Newton, the door is open for Mac Jones because Cam is shelved for a little bit. Right. I do think uh, another recurring theme is with uh, where the Bills are concerned. I think that this some vaccinated, some not is going to be uh, contentious in that locker room and could undo what is what, what they've been assumed to be the the rulers of the AFC East up in Buffalo. Ooh, I, I like think there's an theory. opportunity maybe for Tua, maybe even for the Patriots. How say you? What's your one, two, three, four in uh, in the mighty AFC I'm, East? I kind of like that theory about the Bills, that being a potential stumbling block. And I did. We were talking about this on the podcast, uh, the ATN podcast this week with with Greg. I had said that what happened with Cam with the protocols, because it revealed that he wasn't vaccinated, obviously, the way it all shook out. You wonder the, the, the complications to it and how easy it is to mess it up is all uh, the Byzantine nature of it, Shaq, is all uh, part of the NFL's plan. Make that as, as, as impossible as possible for these teams to f- actually follow and these players to follow the protocols until they kind of just give up and throw up their hands um, and say, all right, I'm just going to get I'm going to get the jab uh, because I can't I can't take it anymore. This is so annoying. Uh, but I think the Bills, if that doesn't happen, if there isn't some type of mutiny uh, where the players turn on each other, they're head and shoulders above everybody. I think they're I think this is a 12 and four, thir- you know, what is it? No, 12 and five, 13 and four type Still getting team. used to it. Right. Yeah, Still it doesn't sound right, game. but it is what it is. And then you have, I think the Patriots, I think at the very least are going to be respectable and competitive. They strike me as like a, a nine and eight, 10 and seven team. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jets, I think, are a year away. But I think the Jets, even with the Carl Lawson absence, as, and especially if if Wilson does can play the guitar and he is, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to be Justin Herbert, but if he's a guy that comes in there right away in this Michael Fuller offense and moves the ball and gets the fan base excited, they could be frisky and win six or seven games. The one team that kind of ties it all together and makes it maybe potentially an under the radar choice for the best division or the most competitive division is the Dolphins. And if you're a Dolphins fan, you're loving the way this month is playing out with Tua, who looks like a different guy who's, has opened it up offensively, which he desperately needed to do. He looks healthy. Uh, if they turn into a team that's like right there with the Patriots, a 9-10, uh, maybe with a ball goes a couple of bounces their way, 11 wins. Now we're talking about a, a crazy situation where you might have three playoff teams in play for the East. So I think maybe the, the division's one year away from being the most well-rounded division if things go right uh, for a couple of these teams. But it is a really interesting, fun division. And thank God, because it's not been that way for many years. 
Yeah, the Patriots can wreck the whole AFC because it's so loaded. It's so tilted in favor of the AFC in terms of high-quality teams versus what the NFC has. I, I keep counting them. It's three, mm. maybe four really good teams. And by the way, the more I think about it with your division talk there, and they obviously have six, uh, every team has uh, the six division games. If you catch a break, and you collectively get to play a bum division, a, t- a division that ends up being lousy like the NFC East last year. If people always remark, like you just did, that wouldn't it be crazy if three teams from the same division made it? It happens all the time because it of does. exactly what I just described. You get a ba- you get a good draw, and your division actually has a bunch of heavyweights in it. You can get three in there. The the one I keep pointing to is the NFC West. The who's who's. All four of those teams are reasonably good on paper. That, I don't know who the dead weight is. Somebody has to come in fourth. Arizona has division. potential to disappoint. But other than that, I think, yeah, I think those are all double-digit win teams. I think the Seahawks actually are the fourth-place team there. The Dolphins' Ooh. concern, as far as I'm concerned, is I think Flores and company heard a little bit too much about, like, you don't need a good running back. You need a running back, though. I don't know who they have to to tote the ball for them. But otherwise, I'd be all in on the Dolphins' this season so you're so you're ready to say jets fourth place but you're cool with it because you're building towards something special here it's about the boy Uh, it's about the organization feeling like it's on a path and there's some there's there's a plot that's being followed and if wilson really flashes i would i'll jump for joy if it's a a six or seven win season and maybe they lose a couple of heartbreakers in there and you could play the what if game oh man they could have been competing for a playoff spot that's all right that's fine as long as we're trending in the right direction and let me just look because that was i thought that was maybe a silly comment check about what? Putting the Seahawks in fourth place. I just want to look. Since Why is it silly? What's silly? I just about want it, to right? check something out here. Their I just want to check out. Their defense is going to be good. Their defense Russell is Wilson, going to be crummy again. Russell Wilson since entering the NFL. Let's see. 11 and 5, it. 13 and 3, 12 and 4, 10 and 6, 10, 5 and 1, 9 and 7, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, 12 and 4. What has happened with this team to make them now collapse into last place in their division? Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson have discord. That's it. Oh, That's- come on. And that doesn't. Deep, that's not going to be an issue until they go out in the first round of the playoffs again. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, of course it matters. That's all anybody ever, all the all the hardos, all they flap their gums about is uh, is chemistry in the locker room and and playing and playing together for one purpose and all that stuff. If the head coach and the guy at the most important position aren't in lockstep, that's probably going to be an issue. Especially, well, I think it's an issue, Shaq. I agree that it's something on the radar and is something to continue to track and be fearful of if you're a Seahawks fan. But I don't know if it's going to lead to a crumbling during the season. I think it's such a obviously a huge season in the entire trajectory of that organization, because when you look at their last three seasons, uh, lost in the wild card, lost in the division, lost in the wild card. Let's say they do have a typical Seahawks season. They win 10 or 11 and they get bounced again in a disappointing game. You're going to that's where I feel like you're going to hear Russell Wilson start to chirp again. And Pete Carroll's going to be 70 years old by that point. And it might become a situation where it's like it's Pete or Russ. And I would think it would make sense that you would keep the 33 year old franchise quarterback over the uh, 70 year old coach. Uh, But it's still there's something coming on the horizon that's ugly. But you're saying it's going to get there in season. I think it's going to happen come January. I don't know, because I can contradict myself by looking at the pass catchers Russell Wilson has and say, well, how could that go wrong? But obviously it did go wrong for half a season, um, ending about six months ago is is what I would point to. Um, But also the thing is, you know, 
it you can't just hang this on Russell Wilson. It, people are obsessed by, myself included, once you get a quarterback to his second contract, there are plenty of frauds who are middle-class guys who you pay like they're upper class and expect them to rise to that level, and it doesn't happen, Jared Goff and otherwise. But even the really good guys like Russell Wilson and Ben Roethlisberger and a lot of guys who you can point to with this, once they get into the second contract, the, the overall roster is corrupted. And your opportunity to win Super Bowls decreases significantly. Russell Wilson hasn't been. I mean, that's a long time now since the Malcolm Butler interception. We kind of kissed the Seahawks into this class that they don't really belong in, that they haven't earned, um, that they haven't properly earned um, when the Rams were crummy and the Cardinals were crummy. They kind of had an easy path there and, and didn't exactly cash in on that one. But anyway. Um, I guess that's my point, though, Shaq. I think they're a proven regular season team that just doesn't have that extra gear or they've lost that magic come when it's really time to dance in January. Um, I kind of just see a, a similar trajectory, but you're right. There is there's some things bubbling underneath the surface that maybe weren't there last August. Uh, so there's certainly something to keep a track on, especially if they go into a funk or some type of slide. I think, you know, so you do the pain rankings and you do the power rankings and it's something to kind rankings. of it, it's what's that too many rankings. It's maybe it's this is a corner I need to I need to diversify a little bit at this point. Oh, I like I, I like to rank stuff. And, <laughs> and fact, I, do too. I, I, I have to rank everything <laughs> under the sun, of course. You are. Um, I feel that there are teams you can kind of circle like if they don't start off in, in, in good fashion things can really get sideways. And that mm. is the Seahawks. Seahawks yes. are one of those teams. They're like, if they uh, using the Jets as another example, if they stink, if they're 0 and 6, it doesn't really disrupt any expectation or otherwise. If the Seahawks are 2 and 4 sitting there in a, in a dicey spot, I don't know that they have the rally in them because I think there will be discord in the locker room. So yeah, I mean, something- and speaking of rankings, I have more rankings on the podcast a couple weeks ago. We did the hot butt rankings for head coaches. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, Pete Carroll in the first degree burn section uh, because obviously there's some things percolating like we've talked about. But I had Zach Taylor of Cincinnati uh, and Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona as the, as the two guys with the hottest butts entering the season. And I think in, in both those both those teams, if either of them are, you know, if Cincinnati's one and seven and if, if uh, Arizona's two and six or something, I wonder if those guys are, you know, get popped in the middle of the season. They seem like they're in a lot of danger. So you're going Bills to rule the division once again. You're on board with what they have going up there. Um, so be it. And the Bills are, for me, the number one team that or the fan base, I should say, that is most deserving because you know, it's that philosophical thing until the Cubs and Red Sox now have been, uh, you know, have emerged and uh, brought home a, a trophy this millennium. But I it, that was always a good debate back in the last century, which was, would you rather be a Red Sox or a Cubs fan? Like almost every season as a Cubs fan, you know, by July 4th, the Cubs are a joke again and they're not going to win it again and wait till next year. Right. Whereas the Red Sox would be around it and then they would break your heart in a one game playoff at the, at, at the bat of Bucky Dent or otherwise, or, or, right. or uh, you know, Bill Buckner, something like that. Um, the bills, I feel like their fans have suffered the most because they've had garbage teams for long stretches and 
it's almost impossible to put into words. I can't, uh, I, I can't imagine being a fan of a team and watching them get to four Super Bowls and lose them all. That, the, the pain involved with that, that beats everything else. If you want to attempt a case, though, for the Jets or for the Browns or otherwise, have at it. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's tricky because you're right. Uh, and I'm an old like Mike Francesa-ism is like, you get to the Super Bowl, you got to win the game because it's actually worse to lose the Super Bowl than to lose in the championship game. It's like, all right, that's cool. But I would like, I mean, I'm 41 years old. At some point in my lifespan, I'd like to see the Jets go to the Super Bowl if for no other reason just to enjoy that week. Uh, used to be two, uh, or maybe it is still two now. Uh, between the conference championship and uh, the Super Bowl Sunday, and we've all been lucky enough to go to Super Bowls, and you know how exciting the Super Bowl city is that weekend, and everyone's alive, and there's nothing. I can't imagine a better fan experience than that. I know you've been lucky enough, or you, Eddie, and Sheck have experienced that. But, like, yeah, I, I think when it comes to the four straight AFC uh, championships, that can't be slept on. Uh, but that's also now, what, 25 years ago, so... I think they're definitely in the conversation. When I did the pain rankings on NFL.com, that was 2015 when they were in the middle of a very dark period. And I don't think they had either been to the playoffs since those Super Bowls or maybe there had been one mixed in there somewhere. I don't think they had been, actually, though. Um, So they certainly deserve to be on the list. I think the Browns still deserve a high place in the ranking. I'm impartial, obviously, or partial, but like I think the Jets need to be in the top two. Uh, for all the misery and all the struggles over the last 50 years. Um, you know who I get a lot of uh, tweets from? And this might surprise you. Packers Let me guess. Fans. Oh, sorry. Packer, Packers? Packers fans. I, about seven, eight years ago, and now uh, I, I see other people uh, tweeting it around and stuff. I used to talk about that weird conundrum emotionally for Packers fans that you now it's it like what is it 30 years I mean 25 at least a quarter century of football never having worse than the third best quarterback you know I mean often between Favre and Rodgers you have the best player or or, or the, the best performer at the most important position and you have the exact same number of Lombardis as Trent Dilfer and Joe Flacco brought to Charm City that's got to be vexing on some level yeah and I think if I they actually the dot com, they didn't want me to write it anymore. I think they thought it was too, I don't know, too something um, uh, that maybe it wasn't something to celebrate pain. But if I were able to strong arm Mickey and Loomis once called uh, called in to say, uh, why is this? Why is this schnook <laughs> saying shame on NFL players? It's there you go. Irony apparently lost somewhere but in the I, headsets of the Superdome. I would like to revisit it 10 years later. So if I'm still alive and still working for NFL.com in 2025, I'd like to revisit the exercise and count it down again from 10. And I think maybe I would throw in the Packers just to mix things up and tell that from that perspective of pain, because it's not all just about unending misery of sucking. Maybe there is something to be said for those types of fans that get so close and keep on getting turned away. Eddie Spaghetti is a fellow Yankee fan. Like nobody's ever going to say the Yankees should be on any pain ranking uh, for MLB. Uh, But the Yankees have had a lot of heartbreaking endings to their seasons over the last 10 years or so. So it's like kind of hard to swallow to put a team like that on a list like that. But at the same time, there is some merit to it. Yeah. I, yeah, listen, I completely hear you. I'm I'm on the right side uh, in pro football terms with my fandom, but I've suffered greatly in this millennium. I've even had reasons. Oh, to the Browns' loss was terrible. 
That was the most embarrassing loss yeah. as a Steelers fan. People <laughs> people hit me up to let me know Tim Tebow was worse. It was absolutely not worse, given yeah. the circumstances. We lost at home in a playoff game to the Browns. Well, I mean, there's no greater humiliation than that. So do, you I think, get, do you think if anyone's in that building, do you think it changes anything that day? And it was an empty COVID stadium. I wonder if Tomlin's decision to go for it changes you know somewhere where was that right around the end of the third quarter there to instead of uh punting the ball away if they go for it or if he then relies on the crowd to really get under old bakes uh skin there and maybe he does throw a bad pick <laughs> in that spot i i mean that was right on the cusp yeah. of going down the tubes for old bake that I like really, old bake. that would have that would have been the funniest <laughs> one yet um I, Old bake. <laughs> the other one, the I think it's the greatest slap in the face of all to a suffering fan base is that nobody even thinks of them because they're so pathetic. The Detroit Lions. Nobody mm. thinks about how how garbage they they have nothing. They they have nothing. They had like Eric Kramer have a nice playoff win about 27 years or something ago. They have not, they had, they had Matt Stafford and Calvin Johnson and right. Barry Sanders and nothing to show for it. Nothing. It's really terrible. I think the, the one, if I could have a dream one for suffer, for fan bases that suffer, all due respect to the Browns fans, to the Jets fans and otherwise bills, Vikings. Cause you talk about going to those, to those Super Bowls. When we were up in the Twin Cities, I found it heartbreaking and heartwarming simultaneously that the Vikings had a home stadium for the Super Bowl, and they were one measly win away after the Minneapolis miracle. If they can just go to Philly and beat Nick Foles, they come back ready to play in a Super Bowl in front of the home crowd. Instead, it's the Eagles and their fans who are mean. Who came in and did that whole chant, the like the skull to mock mm. the Vikings fans? And all week, Vikings, I was like, this must be the worst for you guys. And and all week, they're like, hey, we just hope you have a good time out here. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Like you know, they <laughs> they were such sunny, nice people. I want them to have a, a Lombardi to to enjoy. You know, it would be good for them. Anyway, I, um, I had the, the Vikings at, at number three. Uh, just uh, just for posterity, in 2015, mm-hmm. I had Browns one, Jets two, Vikings three, Lions four. Uh, that was the top four. And uh, I had the Chiefs in the pain rankings in 2015. Obviously, that gets wiped away now. Uh, but uh, the Browns are going to drop down. But I think Jets, Jets and Lions move up, and perhaps the Vikings stay in the top three. That's kind of well. The Bungles should make the conversation too, because oh, they were number really five. Look, they were number five. Look at their history. Yeah. It they, Eli did to Brady what Boomer and Ken Anderson couldn't do to Joe Montana, but right. it is that is a major barrier to winning the Lombardi is Joe Montana standing in your way at both ends of the eighties. History might be different, and in the meantime, now they've been overwhelmed by a team that didn't exist in the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers continue to rule their division um, in perpetuity. So yes, the Bengals fan. Keep, should, uh, and also them. we got to keep an eye on this Burrow situation. Um, his knee gets shredded. You hope he recovers and he's a dynamic player. But if, if Burrow is never the same and if this Jamar Chase thing goes the way that his first training camp has gone and then you kind of connect those two things together, that Burrow and Chase and the injury and all, everything all coming together, 
um, that would be maybe something that takes them to the top of the list. That's that. that. There were a couple of plays, too. You can go back and look. Look at the tape from the game in Pittsburgh. Burrow, I'm not sure, has a high-end whip. He, he, I, he hmm. struggles to make throws outside the hashes sometimes. He, he, he does not exactly, uh, you know, summon Matt Stafford uh, comparisons when you watch him throw the ball around a little bit. Um, to Ohio, I want to hear your thoughts on Baker Mayfield. By the way, though, uh, before I forget, glad to see the red legs. I have nothing to root for in baseball except for, uh, for Chris Wessling's beloved yes. uh, Cincinnati Reds. Pleased to see them now in a wild card spot. That would be a, a, a nice thing to see uh, to see the Reds do it in uh, in 2021. At least get into the postseason, since that's something that he really wanted to see happen there. Um, well, you had other- you had uh, we are family right in '79. That's right, right? And the you best. haven't had you haven't had it since, right? I we I don't think play ab- the song. No, <laughs> no, but I think about that, and I think about Chris and. Uh, we lost him in February in the Reds. He, you know, he's such a diehard uh, Reds fan. Uh, uh, Wes was, and and then I think about my own like pained fandom, which is obviously the Jets. Like, if they go on a magical run this year, and I've talked to Greg Rosenthal about this, it's bittersweet. It's like that would be cool and it'd be a great nod to Wes if the Reds went all the way or had like an amazing season. But it's like, damn it, why couldn't they do yeah. that a year ago? You know, I know. I hear you. Life. I hear you on it, um, but. Your other pal, Mark Sessler, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, he's not doing any bits here. Oh, we, we got a spaghetti. Make, uh, make that your next call. Mark Sessler, we must speak with him before the <laughs> season begins. And at worst, before the first matchup between his brands and uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, but you know Sessler, by the way, he's he's going to be very diplomatic in the conversation, even though he might have been sh- firing some arrows at you in January and February. Now he's right back into that old Sessler way where he thinks every team is better than the Browns and he doesn't he doesn't feel any confidence that they're they're going to take the next step. Like if you're looking for Sessler to be confident and have a braggadocio attitude, that I don't think that's going to happen. But maybe I'll be wrong. We'll get his thoughts on it. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Baker yeah. Mayfield. Loaded roster. Yeah. Let me go, let me just go through it again for you. Eddie Spaghetti, I think you've heard me say this before, but I'm going to tell it to Hanzoos now. Everyone, you know, universally celebrated front office, right? Oh, so universally. Smart. Look at what look at what they've done. Look at what they've been able to build there. Head coach, what did he do in his first year? Coach of the year. That roster is loaded up, high-end, spectacular pass catchers. <laughs> you have what's called the best one-two punch at running back in the sport. Garrett, now Clowney on the other side of him. And at the most important position, the first overall pick just a few years ago, Baker Mayfield. Are you buying it? Well, well fast, uh, or flashback to April uh, 2018, Sessler and I were at the Cozy, that old bar down the street from the now shuttered NFL Network headquarters. And Baker went number one in a bit of a surprise to the Browns. Uh, the Jets at three took Sam Darnold and we, we did a shot together and we toasted to a, a new era of the AFC with our, our great young quarterbacks. Well, it certainly didn't work out for the Jets. <laughs> I can tell you that. 
no need to laugh. And I was also much. there. I was also uh, about three feet away from Mark Sessler when Johnny Football was the draft pick. All right. And you could look that up on YouTube because it has like thousands of views now. It's become an iconic video in ATN history. Um, but as far as Baker goes, I think B- Baker's good. But when you mentioned when you mentioned uh, okay to good, but when things are humming, he could be very good. But what you mentioned earlier was spot on, which is be very careful who you hand out that big second contract to a quarterback. Don't do it unless you are absolutely certain he's you know Josh Allen, the Bills. That's a smart move. Give him the contract. Baker, do not give him the Jared Goff contract. Well, he's getting it. He's getting it. But hasn't got it he's yet. He's going over forty million. He hasn't signed it, or I mean, as, as far as I know, there's not been an offer. But what's the he's rush? He's getting forty million. But what's the rush? If unless he is being a headache behind the scenes, and by the way, that would be a La Raville Magnifico if that was the case. Like, why not wait this year out and see how it plays out? And, and just be sure he's still getting paid a very nice salary as a number one overall pick. Uh, and just be sure, because I was going to say, unless it happens in the next, you know, uh, seven to 14 days and he gets that contract, I was going to say the best move the Browns have made this offseason is not touching the Baker contract, wait it out. So I guess I'm not sold on Baker. He's certainly not a bust and he has a ceiling when he gets hot. He's a real he's a fun player to watch. Uh, but am I sold on him as like a franchise star for the organization? I'm, I'm not there. And I, I think a lot of Browns feel the same. Browns fans feel the same way, ultimately, even if they maybe don't admit it. I agree with pretty much everything you just said. I think the reason that you sign him in advance of the season is Dak Prescott a couple of years ago. You know, it felt like, oh, man, they missed their window on Dak. And right. now they're going to now they're going to have to tack on an extra 15 million dollars annually as a result of waiting the season out. That's the concern. I'm with you, though. You do not sign Baker Mayfield. I keep saying it. The greatest beneficiaries of Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson's second uh, contracts will be the Bengals and Steelers. The, I mean, the, you both of those aren't good. Lamar Jackson, way, way, way more talented at football than Baker Mayfield. But I, 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 I remain skeptical of what happens over these next five years with Lamar Jackson and and what he needs around him in order to thrive. Can he cover up a mediocre offensive line? I don't think he can. I don't think, based on the way he wants to play, I don't know that that exactly works. And they have to rob Peter to pay Paul these days because you're not going to get a a high-end free agent wide receiver to go there. So you have to get those guys, high pedigree guys, and where are those guys? They're in the first and second rounds, usually something that Ozzie Newsom and Eric DaCosta would devote to building up the lines of scrimmage, which is why the Baltimore Ravens are always relevant come playoff time because they are powerhouse. They match up against their arch-rival Pittsburgh Steelers. But if they are diminished at all um, at the line of scrimmage, that is going to hurt the, the, the Ravens vibe and Lamar Jackson is going to have to obscure that mm. with his individual talent. I am suspect about whether or not that can actually add up there. All right. I want to talk quickly now about the Yankees and uh, the imbalance there because there is no salary cap, if you haven't heard. And your guys uh, over there reap the benefits of that every single year. Eddie Spaghetti, he does, a, he does this big thing like maybe the trade deadline our plucky guys, if they can just hang in there for a few more weeks, maybe we'll be buyers. I don't know. Maybe we'll be sellers. 
but maybe we'll be buyers and can turn this thing around. It's like, you're always buyers. You're the Yankees. You take but whatever you true. want. The Yankees have missed you're, the playoffs. What was my rule, Dave? If you're not above, your team is not above 500, don't talk to me about baseball. That's the that's the rule. That's the new rule <laughs> I put on this podcast because I'm sick and tired of you and Hench yelling at me. Uh, like, I'm supposed to take the Hench, blame. that guy. I'm supposed to take the blame for the Yankees. Mess. The Yankees being smart. <laughs> it's not my fault the Rangers smart. made a bad trade. It's not my fault the Cubs exploded after winning a World Series five years ago. It's not my fault that it happened. They agreed to the trade. <laughs> I'm supposed to take the blame for the Yankees making smart moves. Please don't. It's, it's I feel bad for you, Spaghetti, that this is what you have. Your expectation is if my team doesn't win, it's another cause for depression. Of course, they should win every year because everything's tilted in their favor. It should be Dodgers, Yankees every single year. Hanzoos, first thing, do you feel bad passing on Yankees fandom to your young boys? Isn't it, isn't it morally well, wrong to do? Let's, oh, let's start here. Especially 4,000 miles away. I mean, let's start here. First of all, it's 3,000. But second of all, uh, let me just say, and I know the Pirates suck at a high level right now. I do too. I also uh, know that. But that doesn't mean we can't have nuance in conversation about baseball on your show. And it's like, there might not be a standard salary cap at play, but this luxury tax really does put a cap on spending, at least in the Yankees organization, in the uh, Hal oh Seinbrenner Era. Oh my God! Can I tell That's you something? What we're doing? Can I just tell you something that the we're Yankees fighting through the payroll tax? The Yankees payroll is at two oh three. Okay, mm -hmm. that is sixty four million dollars less than the Los Angeles Dodgers. So if you want to start burying a team for spending their way to titles, do it with the defending champions. Number one. Number two. The Pittsburgh Pirates, they're the problem. It's not the Yankees. It's the team that's spending $54 million for an entire roster that is causing an imbalance in the league, that is causing all sorts of issues. All these joke organizations that are cheap is the problem. It's not the Yankees, the healthy organizations. Look at the payroll of the Yankees compared to the payrolls of the top NFL teams. It is comparable. You should be spending. You're a billionaire owners. You should be making a team that's successful and at least trying to be competitive. And to, to your other point, my boys, my eldest Jack, who just turned seven, um, came up to me in a very sweet way last week when we were watching the Yankees. And or I was watching the Yankees. He comes up to me and he says, Daddy, I want you to know something. And I could tell there's a hesitation um, because he knew what he was going to say could hurt me. Which you know how little kids are, Shaq, like part of him liked this idea that he was about to drop a hammer on me. He said, now I'm half Yankees fan and half Dodgers fan. <laughs> and I was oh, like, God. I was like, all right, OK, that's fine. And what you know what I did, Shaq? First thing I did, I went on StubHub. <laughs> I kicked him out of the house. It's okay. No, I went on stuff up. I'm going to love you no matter what. I bought him this. four tickets. We, we went to the Dodger Mets game on Friday night, and I bought them Dodgers hats, both of them, because it is their decision. And all I really want, ultimately, I don't need them to be New York sports fans. I certainly don't need them to be Jets fans. I want them to not hate the Yankees. I want them to kind of care about the Yankees and be happy if the Yankees have success. But I don't need them to be New York sports fans because I don't think that's fair. How about that for diplomacy? I think that's beautiful. That's good parenting for the most. You shake your head, spaghetti. You what disagree. I, I, I was caught. I thought what I thought what Dan was going to say was I went out <laughs> and bought Yankees Angels tickets for the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday series this upcoming week, and I was like, I want to force them to become Yankees fans. I was like, that's a good dad right there. <laughs> I think they'll go the once you Eddie once you have kids and maybe get a little bit older, you'll learn more about the the psychology of children. And if if I really tried to force it upon them. 
it's not going to work. Yeah. And also when they get into school, like they're, Jack, for instance, is just entering first grade. And I, your, your need for your kid to be accepted and have a, a friendship group outweighs my need for him to be a Yankee fan like me. I want him to like experience things with his friends. So I'm just kind of taking a step back and let nature play out. That's, that's kind of my I think that's that. really nice, and you're absolutely right. If you had attempted to impose the Yankees or the Jets on him, they would reject it. They don't, kids don't respond well to that. So I like it. I, the only caveat that I have, the little asterisk, or more appropriately, Steelers hypercycloid, you know, that's what that little <laughs> shape is, if you don't know that. Ah, I didn't know that. Hypercycloid. Um, put that next to it. Penguins, I mean, okay, you do you if you don't want to embrace the, the Penguins, you know, high-flying style and many Stanley Cups. That's your choice. You want to be a Kings guy? Go ahead, Jean-Claude Van Damaschek. Have at it. <laughs> Pirates? emotional abuse for me you know 2500 miles away like yeah you you gotta like this all-time atrocious embarrassment on the banks of the three rivers no i want him to jibe with his peer group at school you're right about that yeah but you know the uh, the one thing one caveat i have is they can't and it works out the way the geography is set up he can't be a red sox fan Harry boy yeah. can't be a Red Sox fan. And I, I don't think I have to worry about that. Like as long as it's not crossing over, they can't be Pats fans. They can't be a New England sports fans. Everything else is fine and in play. And speaking of New England sports fans, that, how about that buddy? Your buddy Hench. Oh, well, he's a, good. He's got emotional problems. That's good. You know, you know, he's he, he's that's got, good. he's troubled. I mean, the Red Sox like I you make good points about the Pirates and you're absolutely right. And I advocate as somebody who is a Pirates guy for relegation if you're going to be this woeful and if we're not going to uh luxury tax ain't enough to fully address the inequity so if you're if we're going to stick with this mlb like this for decades on end then let's start to really um, put in the floor right that's right and that's well, what's they're going to put negotiated. that negotiated yeah. Way better, way better would be like, oh, you, yeah, who's in there? To, oh, yeah, no, it's not the, the Pirates anymore. Yeah, the Cubs are uh, <laughs> heading to Toledo to play the Mud Hens. Like, that would be fun. That would I jazz like that. up the sport that is uh, dying on the vine as yeah. we speak here. Um, but, yeah, the, 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 the hypercycloid is. You don't have to be a Steelers <laughs> fan. Go ahead, Rams and Chargers it up. Yeah. I won't blame you for swooning to see them powder blues on the Chargers. I'm not going to kid justin herbert the future is bright beautiful stadium and otherwise but if you ain't a steelers fan then then just go watch your football somewhere else just don't do it in my home okay That's no That's I, your business I, I gotcha. have your own life you know spread your wings and fly but fly out of the house for you know for you also every sunday you lived that life when we were colleagues check um the fact that i'm not around on sundays uh, I even if I wanted to try to control that narrative and, and make them Jets fans, the fact that I won't have eyes on them, I can't strap them into a seat on the couch to to fall, make them love the Jets. Like, I know I, I have no leverage at all. So I, I'm completely letting go any uh, efforts to make them Jets fans. And like with the Pirates, why would I want to make them Jets fans? Please go exactly. support the Rams or the Chargers. But would it be happy. final question on this as you pass it up, you pay it forward to, to the next generation in the Hanzoos home. What would be the worst scenario? Red Sox fan, uh, Giants fan, Cowboys fan, Patriots fan. What would be the one where it's where you say, OK, now I do have to draw a line. There it's, is there. 
it's Red Sox and it's not close. And it's funny when your buddy Hench, when he had his meltdown on your show, and I enjoyed that uh, on social. Good job, Eddie, cutting that. It's funny, like I... As a, a Yankee fan of a certain age, I went to college in Boston at Northeastern right at, right before uh, the you know 2004 collapse and all that. And I used to view Red Sox fans the way Yankees fans view Mets fans, which is just like, oh, they're cute. Oh, oh, all they're suffering. Oh. But the way what I happened used is, to regard the Browns until right. the shameful night in January. And now I'm gonna I'll give some credit to the Red Sox organization. The winning in 04 and then in. 07 and then in 13 and 18, I view Red Sox as an organization as one to be respected at this point. And what that's happened, what's that, what that's caused for me is like when there's a hench melt meltdown, there's that guy on a barstool, uh, Carabas, like when he has his meltdowns on Twitter, I love that stuff. Like put, put it in my veins. So I enjoy Red Sox suffering almost as much as I enjoy Yankees winning, which wasn't always the case, but now it is. So kind of a credit to the Red Sox for creating that additional element to my fan experience. Eddie, you're shaking your head. You agree? I, I mean, the so 2013, I went to Boston University. I mean, you're similar in terms of being Yankee fans in Boston for school. And the 2013 World Series happened, and I was sitting there watching, obviously, every game and, and just you know praying they would lose, and they finally did win. And all these like kids like, oh, we're going to go out and celebrate for the parade. Like, you're going to come. And I was like, I'm not going with you. Like, I'm I'm not happy. This is not a good like like. Oh, come on, who cares? Just like, just it's an excuse to party. It's like again, you're you're not really hearing me. Like, I'm a Yankees fan. I don't want to celebrate this win. I hate this team. I despise this team. And I think what kind of spawned this. And I'm not sure your thoughts on 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 this point of the season, Dan. It was uh, and Dave and Hench got on my case. Was pre Gallo, pre Rizzo. And the point of the season where there was a ton of injuries, obviously every time you check in on Severino was like he's being delayed, the Kluber injury, and Gary Sanchez was hurt, and and then the weird like random COVID spurts that like multiple times throughout the season for a team that's like almost 100% vaccinated. I was it's like, God doesn't like them. Though. I was I, well, whatever. <laughs> I, they're 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 healthy now. And whatever. So you whatever. Well, my the point. Almighty? I just whatever. Yeah, Christ. But he, the Yankees, <laughs> at a certain point of the season, I was really like. All right, man. Like, I guess we're gonna waste a year. Cole's prime. Like, football season's coming soon. And I don't know if you felt the same way I did, but they kept, I kept saying, like, let me just see what happens to the deadline if they could turn it around. And they did turn it around. And something happened in that locker room where they're kind of gelling, and like things are feeling like, oh, this this could be a real World Series year. And now I'm getting yelled at for having that thought process. No, the people that hate the Yankees, and that's almost everyone, don't want to see this. They hate that the Yankees had this turnaround because there was a lot of joy to be gained from the Yankees going down. And flames the way they were. So again, I, I kind of enjoy that side of things, like the idea that the fans- go Sauron. Who's supposed to be cheering <laughs> for the bad guys? I feel bad. I really do feel for you guys that you have to put yourselves through these these delusional machinations about like, well, we're we're just trying. We we're not supposed to be here, right? You're the Yankees. You're supposed to always be there. And Red Sox fans are equally as loony because they continue to try to position <laughs> themselves as like, hey, we're raging against the evil empire. I don't know if you heard. You're now the evil empire too. Right. And the Dodgers, you're part three. You all stink now. That's good. Uh, that's fine. I, I take that check. I honestly do. And I think that's part of it's important that Yankee fans and fans like the Yankees or other organizations understand where they sit in the universe and not be oblivious to it. And I trust me, I am. I am aware as a fan of never to get too out in the open about my Yankees misery, because who am I to complain when you could be a Pirates fan? That's well, that's exactly. Well, that's the 
seat I fill in pro football terms. I, 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 I anytime I bellyache about uh, the Steelers. And conversely, as a Jet fan, like I've been on both sides of this, so. I do think it's very sad, and we'll let you go here, Hanzoos, but I do think that uh, it, it's a funny thing as I talk about paying it forward the next generation. I think all the Jets fans of our age are had the Jets imposed on them by their father. And it's sort of like when, <laughs> when you have a delinquent parent, it in many cases makes you a better parent. Like, I'm not going to be like that. Do you ultimately blame your old man for putting the Jets on you when you could have had the Giants? You could have had World's Championships times three. Wait, what is it now? Four? Four. You could have watched Jeff Hostetler win. You could have seen Eli do it twice to Brady. What would be, if your old man... Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to take him, you know, take him to the woodshed too much. He was doing the best he could. He, he was just telling you what he knew. He grew up, right. though, watching Broadway Joe, and you get Richard Todd and old Boomer Esiason, and, and, the, and that's Vinny Testaverde. That was the best that you got to see. I like that you're open to allowing your children to have a brighter future, and so I hail you. Thank you, Shaq. And, it, and I don't put anything on my dad uh, because it, here's the thing, crazy thing, too. I mean, my dad grew up in the South Bronx. He grew up in the same neighborhood where the Giants played. It was right there. I mean, he could have be, easily been a Giants fan, but it was Joe. It was Broadway Joe who captured his imagination as a teenager in the late 60s. And uh, I totally get that. And I, I, I love that the, the Joe Namath is tied into the Hansis lineage. And even though there's been a lot of suffering, the idea here is that one day it all pays off with a really special moment uh, before my time is up with the old man. And, and if, if that happens, it all pays off. And if it doesn't, I'll never forgive the organization. So clock's ticking uh, here. I, I'll say, well, that's, see, that's nicely said. And one last thing on your old man. Tough day for him. Tough day for a lot of people. Many generations, uh, sad to hear. Charlie Watts. Uh, mm drummer of the Rolling Stones. And by the way, I mentioned it at the top when we said hello to Hanzoos, uh, the throwback pod, great stuff, uh, the music that uh, hit your ear just right. Um, I was a guest on there a couple months ago, good times uh, talking about Smashing Pumpkins, a important record in young Dave Damashek's life, just mm. emerging from college. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we, we, we talked about Siamese Dream there. But Rolling Stones, big fan. Love the Stones. It's like my dad, like his Yankee. It was Mickey Mantle, Joe Namath and Mick Jagger. Those are his heroes. So like uh, they they were part of the soundtrack of my life. And, you know, it is a bummer. I got to see them for the first time at MetLife Stadium two years ago before COVID. And uh, that was my first thought when I heard that uh, Watts had passed away, that got to see the band together. Uh, But yeah, sad thing. One of the great rock drummers of all time. Yeah, go listen to Exile on Main Street. There, are, I, I've been opening up the uh, catalog a little bit with the Stones lately. Um, Sticky Fingers, uh, so mm. many obviously great ones. Even White Lotus bringing back uh, um, the Rainbow song that got some popularity um, over the last couple of years because it was in a commercial of some sort. But uh, but yeah, she's a rainbow. To, yeah. The, yeah, uh, go listen one. to Exile on Main Street. Torn and Frayed and uh, Loving Cup. Oh, some of the best songs uh, in the history of people. That's my favorite Stones album, Exile, for sure. Oh, yeah, Dynamite. Um, all right, Dynamite as well. Dan Hanzoos' work, you can find it on Around the NFL podcast. You see his pages. You hear about them here, the throwback pod. And also Hard Knocks, uh, he's doing his review there. And, yeah, I said again at the top, 
a cameo. You had no idea. You're just watching TV, <laughs> and all not. of a sudden, there's your Punim looking back at you. I thought it was maybe a suck because I have had a, a good relationship with the Hard Knocks producers. I've done some articles over the years talking to them. I wonder if it was like a subtle nod, like, dude, you've been putting together the pages for over a decade now. Let's throw you in the episode for two and a half seconds. And if, if that was indeed the case, well, thank you very much, HBO. Oh, yeah. Listen, the the gambler, Kenny Rogers, and uh, everybody over there at NFL Films. Yeah, they uh, they are the gold standard, that's for sure. And uh, Hanzoos making his pages the gold standard there at uh, at our in our league, at the National Football League. Our league. Check out all his great work, and uh, thanks for the time. Let's check back in and see how Pretty Boy, um, <laughs> are, you know, pre- Pretty, I, I, the, the diagnosis, though, the Brad Pitt comp, maybe you've won me over here. All the best All right, to uh, to the Jets this season. Dan Hanzoos, everybody. Thanks, Jack. And that's that. A great turn from uh, from our pal Hanzoos. I uh, promoted all his stuff. Do uh, do him a favor. Do us a favor. Make sure you check that out and make sure you're betting along with us. FanDuel.com slash minus three. One last time, it's the word minus the number three. That's how you do it. And uh, we're now just 48 hours away from being joined by Kevin Hench. Perhaps he'll have a retort to the words of Dan Hanzoos. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll have some thoughts on Cam V. Mac. All the rest of it. Looking forward to that. And until then, sports fan, thanks so much. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>